We're starting a new series this week called Space. Um, Here's what's interesting is, you know, I was just thinking, like, what is it that we need to talk about? What is it that uh, we should be talking about? And Christy and I have been spending time kind of the series after this in February that we're doing is a series that's really in both of our, just our comfort zones are where we want to talk about. And so we hadn't talked a lot about what we're going to talk about the first three weeks. And so I'm like, man, we need to talk about space. We need to talk about what it means to develop and create space in our lives for God. Because when God speaks to you, it's in space. Um, it's not in the busy. It's not in the crazy. It's when we create space. And, and what's crazy is I, I wrote the Instagram thing. I wrote all that kind of stuff. And immediately Chrissy's like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I've been thinking about too. That's exactly what I believe we need to talk about because space is so hard to create. Uh, it's, it's something that we have a hard time doing. We have a hard time resting. Would you agree? We have a hard time doing that. Stress is huge. Stress is such a big issue. In fact, whenever we ask the church many times, and we've done this before, like what's the topic you want to talk about most? Stress is always one of the top things because we are a stressed out culture. We are a culture that's just absolutely stressed. It's the highest level everywhere. And actually what they found is this is they found um, they, that psychologists have found that stress is contagious. And you got, you, you, like, that sounds weird. You're like, I've never said, like, I caught stress. But, um, like, stress is contagious, meaning, think about it. If you're around stressed out people, what happens? You become stressed. Like, remember when the last hurricane came through or was going to come through and everyone freaked the crap out? Like, the gas was gone a week before the hurricane got here. And I'm like, guys, we're going to need gas again. Like, people were going nuts. And what's crazy is I lived in South Florida. I went through some of the worst hurricanes. I went through the worst hurricane that's ever hit Florida, Hurricane Andrew. And I'm sitting here going, guys, it's going to be fine unless it comes out in the Gulf and comes back and hits us. I'm, like, I'm sitting there. I'm fine. I'm like, I'm fine. But everyone was freaking out so much. I became stressed. We had uh, one, of the, one of the girls that's been a part of our family for a long time. Um, it, it, her name is Stephanie, and she was staying at our house because she was so stressed out. And all she did every hour was look down at the weather forecast again and tell me what the weather forecast was. I'm like, I'm fine. But every hour she's telling me, well, this guy says you're wrong. I'm like, what? Well, of course, because he's paid by Home Depot to make you go get <laughs> supplies and all of that stuff. But I remember, right, it's like you can be fine, but if everyone around you is stressed, we become stressed, and we're stressed not just because of that, but because we're busy. Our, the work week has increased. The things we do is increased. And then on top of that, we've developed tech to make our lives easier, but all it does is connect us to stress. You notice that all the tech we use in our lives, all it does is easily connect us to stress. You ever been in a good mood and tech has gone off and it's changed your mood, it's changed your entire outlook? And busy has become something. Here's what's crazy. Busy has become an identity, for some of us, that's our identity. That's what we are. We're busy. Everywhere we are, people say, oh, how are you doing? I'm busy. What's up with you? I'm busy. I'm busy all the time. That's what I'm doing. And our, even our meaning in life has come from the fact that we're always busy. We're always trying to accomplish something. And we're all busy. We're all stressed. And we're all tired. And what's interesting nowadays is people don't lie about it anymore. You, ever, you remember the times where people, you just go up and say, hey, how are you doing? Everybody would just say, fine. Nowadays, people don't say that anymore as much. Like some people say, fine. Some people say, I'm doing horrible. I'm like, oh. And as a pastor, I'm like, oh, should we, does that mean we got to talk about that now? Like, I'm not really sure. Like, did you tell me just that? And they're like, no, I just, my life is bad or my life is stressed and my life is busy. And I'm just like, oh, okay. So we don't have to talk about, like, uh, I don't know what I should do right now. Normally I was just hoping you would say good and we could walk away. But we don't, we don't lie about it anymore. We're just kind of honest. It's just become, I think what's happened is this is stress and busyness and all this has become such a part of who we are that we're okay with it now. We've kind of accepted it as what we're 
doing it. And we believe that if we can just get time or if we can just get this, then rest is possible. But the, the true problem is we just don't even know how to rest if we have the time. Uh, Psalm 127.2 talks about what God can bring. It says this, It is useless for you to work so hard from early until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. And what I want to get to tonight is rest is actually something that's a gift from God. True rest is something that only God can give, but even as Christians, many times we don't take it. We, we know that it's there, but we don't receive it. We don't take it. Hebrews 4.1 says this, says, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you may fail to experience it. Because I, I want to tell you this, and I, I want you to get this, and we're going to get into this even more. The idea of missing out on what God can give us through rest is huge. Missing out on what God can accomplish in us through rest is huge. This is something that should hit us. It's something that hits me, even as a pastor, because I go through life doing the same things you do, going after the same things, and I fail to realize that I need to rest. And what I want to do first is kind of like let you guys know what rest isn't. Rest isn't just sleep. I mean, that's what happens sometimes. We just go, hey, are you rested? And what do we do? We say how many hours of sleep we got last night. And you guys know this. If your life is crazy, you don't sleep well, right? You ever like slept nine hours and been like, I'm tired. Why am I tired? Because our body doesn't have the ability to separate busyness and craziness into sleep. Some of us, we never get into the whole like idea of REM sleep. That never happens in our world because we are so busy. We are so stressed that we don't have the ability to, to take that time. Rest also isn't just time off. You guys have said this before. I've heard you say this. If I just get to the weekend, if I can just get to the weekend, then it will be okay. And then you get to the weekend and it's just as crazy. Or it doesn't have a lot going on, so you book it to the end, and then you walk in Monday morning, you're like, what did I just do? What just happened? And we don't rest. It's not just something that's this time off. And let me just say this. If you don't know how to take time off, if you walk in Monday, more tired than you walked out Friday. We, we don't know how to rest. We don't know how to do this. Rest isn't just vacation. You ever come back from a vacation and go, I need a vacation from my vacation? I mean, just wait till you have kids. Kids are awful. They're vacation destroyers. Like we go on vacation, you're like, wait, what just happened? And you just go for these things. I, I was talking to somebody the other day. I was like, oh, what'd you do for your vacation? Like we went to Disney World. I'm like, oh, you didn't go on vacation. That's awesome. You stood in line and hated the world. No, I, when I was a kid, I loved Disney World. Now I'm just like, there's so many lines. And I think I need to drink in order to enjoy Disney World. And I don't drink. And I think that's the problem. I think that's why people even go to Epcot. I'm like, why do you go to Epcot? Oh, the alcohol. Okay, that makes sense. But it's not time off. And rest is also not this. And this is kind of a more serious thing. It's not escaping. Escapism is our new problem. It's what you see everyone doing. And here's what escapism is. It's an intentional detachment from the world. And this is what we do. We do it in so many different ways. You see it uh, in its worst ways through drugs and alcohol and even porn use. Porn use is a way to escape from what's going on around us. But then you see it regularly nowadays through video gaming and Netflix. Have you ever gone and gone like, man, I'm just going to sit down and you binge watch eight hours of something? And then you're not more rested at the end of it. You're just wondering what happened. I mean, for me, that's me. My wife now knows after 12 years of marriage, she knows when I'm stressed because there's two things I'll do. One, I'll video game because I, I will go like six minutes without even playing a video game. Then all of a sudden she walks in and I'm shooting people's heads off and she's like, oh, you're stressed. I'm like, yes, I am. Or I'm watching The Office for like the seventh time. Why? Because there's just something about the office. I'm like, I can watch it. She's like, why are you watching this again? I'm like, because it's the office. It's awesome. 
But those are the things. That's what I do. This, the, and here's what's the problem with that. Neither of those things bring rest. They're just something that we go to to escape. There's something, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with watching Netflix or playing video games, but when it becomes something that consumes us, it's something that we're using to escape from the craziness of our lives. Guys, true rest actually causes refreshment. True rest doesn't just get us to the next point. True rest causes us to be more excited about what's next. It causes us to want to do something more. And just because we have time off doesn't mean that we have it. For us, this past Christmas was not rest. We thought it was going to be. We're looking forward to it. I remember Chrissy and I were like going up to it. We're like, man, we just need to get to Christmas. We just need to get to that time. We're going to go to my family's house. It's going to be fine. And then for some reason, we decided. I don't know why we did. We forgot. I think God does this to parents, but we forgot what it was like to have a newborn. And as a foster parents, we said, yeah, we'll take a newborn. And we got a two-day-old that was tiny. And I think I have a picture of him real quick. Yeah. He, and he's better be cute. Newborns have to be cute because if they're not, we wouldn't take care of them. Like, because they're, and here's, that's just, that's just real talk, okay? Let me just kind of explain this to you what a newborn is like. You feed a newborn, it takes a newborn like 30 to 45 minutes to drink two ounces of milk. Two ounces of milk. And then you spend a good 10 minutes burping and then you get them down to bed and then you have about two hours of freedom. Now at night, at two o'clock in the morning, you look at yourself, you're like, I have two hours, sleep. And it never happens. And before Christmas, we were switching on and off, night on, night off, all that kind of stuff. But when we went to my parents' house, he had to be in the same room as us. And one night he decided, hey, I'm new to this world. I just want to stay up. And he stayed up an entire night. And we're just going, what is wrong with you? It's crazy what you will say to somebody. Like, he understands nothing of what we're talking about. We're like, holding him, we're like, what do you want? Just tell us. And he's just crying. And we're just like, do you want more milk? And he's not saying anything. I don't know why. And we're just sitting there. And we're just like, man, we ended up going home. I remember we're driving on the way home. I had just drank an entire monster. And I'm like starting to fall asleep. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I'm dead. Like I'm sitting there going, I am absolutely dead. And I was like, we, this was supposed to be time off. This was supposed to be rest. And you're like, why are you talking about this? How none of us have newborns. I'm like, yes, but you have something in your life right now that can ruin your free time, that can ruin all of your rest automatically and sitting right there in your pocket. I mean, for some of you, if I had you come up and show us your Apple uh, screen time, some of you may not want to. Some of you that pops up on your screen on Sundays, you're like, quick, get out. Don't look at it. Nope, nobody's allowed to see that. But we do, we have things in our lives that just, they sabotage that time that we have. And I remember getting done with that. I remember thinking about it going, oh my gosh, why am I not getting rest? And as I'm getting prepared for this message, I'm going, God, why didn't you give us that time? Because I'm going back to work and I'm more tired than I was going in. And God's going, hey, Hal, um, you're a pastor. You should know this. If you wanted to rest, it's not about what you produce. It's when you come to me. And that's what God wants us to understand. Rest is not about us trying to make the most of time or free time. It's coming to us because God is the only one that can offer us absolute true rest. And we see that in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. It says this, says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden that I give you is light. He says, if you want true rest, do what I've asked you to do. My plan for your life has more rest in it, has more peace in it, has more joy in it than what you're going after. Guys, I want to tell you, the world culture has all these lies about what rest is. 
God's sitting there going, it's much simpler than what you think. It's much simpler than what you think, but you've got to get close to me. And one of the biggest ways that we rest is we rest in what God did for us. And that sounds weird, but here's what resting God, what God did for us is. It's gratitude. It's changing our, our thought process. It's changing what we think about. And what we need to do many times is sometimes we just need to sit there and we need to remember what God already did. We need to remember what God already did. The fact it took nothing on my part, that I don't need to do anything to make it better. I, need, I don't need to do anything to make this God love me more. And I can just rest in the fact that he has everything taken care of. I mean, you ever thought about this? I'm trusting him with my eternity. I think I can trust him with what's right in front of me. I mean, that's what it does. When I think about what God's already done, I remember, oh wait, he's in control anyway. Why am I holding this? Why am I thinking this is up to me? In Hebrews 4.2, this is, Paul makes this comparison that's just great. It says, this, it says, for this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. I'll explain who them is. It says, but it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. Here's what he's referring to. He's, he's comparing and contrasting what God gave to us as what God was going to give to the Israelites back when they came out of Egypt. If you, if you don't know the story, basically the Israelites were in Egypt. They were slaves. Uh, God sent Moses into Egypt, brought them out. When they came out, they saw all kinds of miracles. God parted the Red Sea. He brought down manna from heaven. He made water come out of a rock. He gave them all these miracles. They get up to the place that God says, this is my place for you. It's the place called Canaan. He goes, this is where I want you to be. This is your promised land. They get up to it. This God that has done all these miracles, they look and they see him, but they see the place where they're going to go. And they're like, the opposition's too great here. We don't believe the God that already did all these miracles can bring us into there. So because of that, they left that and they wandered in the desert. Here's what, here's what he's saying. Here's what God had for them. God said this. He goes, I had this place, this place, this promised land that was going to bring you rest. From what you were doing, from the slavery, from all that, it was going to bring you rest. It was going to give you purpose. This was going to be a place where you were going to multiply. This is going to be a place where you felt like what you were doing mattered. This was going to be a place that I was going to pour into you and you are going to come out of it and you have your life multiplied. He said, instead, what you did was you chose the desert where you're walking around, you're doing something, but you're doing nothing. And see, we have that same choice. We have this choice where we can rest in God and he can use us and he can multiply us and he can give us purpose and he can give us peace and he can give us all these things. Or we can choose to do the world our own way and we can walk around with something like we think we're doing something, but we're absolutely not accomplishing anything. See, when they walked around the desert, it's not like they weren't accomplishing something. They were walking. Their Fitbits were getting full. But were they actually doing anything? No. They were filling time. Here's what God's saying. He goes, when you choose to do life without me, when you choose not to sit in my rest, you're going to fill your time, but it's going to have no meaning. You're going to fill your time, but it's going to have no peace. You're going to fill your time, but it's not going to have any joy. You're not going to feel my love in that place. In the same way, if you decide to do your life on your own, it's going to be like you're wandering around in a desert without hope. And I think we get that. I think we've all been in that place before where we've gotten so far away from God that we feel like all we're doing is we're wandering around with no purpose. God says, come and rest with me because when you rest in me, that's when I give you joy and peace. That's when I show you what I want to do in your life. That's when I give you your next step of what's supposed to happen. See, with God comes understanding of what's supposed to happen. See, if we know Jesus, we have access to this rest. But here's what we do. Here's what we do. We, we tend to go after rest. We tend to go after the world like someone drowning. 
don't know if you guys have ever seen that before, but when someone drowns, they just flail around. That's what basically what we do with life. We flail around searching for something. And I remember I went through lifeguard training, and I remember the part when they talked about drowning. I thought it was like one of the meanest parts, and some of you guys know this. But if someone's drowning, you don't save them. Like, you wait till they stop moving, which is weird. Like, I was like, wait, aren't we lifeguards? Like, isn't that what we're supposed to do? They go, no, they're going to continue to flail. If you go out there and try to save them, they're going to take you down with them. You got to wait till they stop flailing. Here's what God's going to do. God's like a lifeguard. If you're flailing around, he goes, I'm just going to let you sit there until you decide to slow down and find me. Here's the deal with rest. You either take it now or be forced to take it later. You either take it now and you, you get close to God now, or you choose to get close to God in the pit, right? We choose God now or we choose God in the low time in our lives. Guys, we can either choose to rest now or we can be forced later on. We know that's the choice. We know we have the choice of spending this time with God now, resting in him now, or figuring it out as we go on. In Hebrews 4, 3 to 4, he, he, he continues on with this idea. He says, for only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God says, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Even though this rest has been ready since he made the world, we know is ready on the place, in the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all of his work. I mean, what's crazy to me is God rested after creation. God literally, can you imagine what creation was like? Like if you were standing on the earth during those six days, how crazy it would have been to see everything come into place everything going crazy. And then on the seventh day, God rested. It was like in the midst of all the craziness, all the, all the, what seemed like just absolute everything coming together, God rested. I think it's kind of like this. The world around us is crazy. And God says, if you choose to join me in the middle of it, you can find peace. It's kind of like a hurricane in this. I remember going through a hurricane in West Palm Beach. We, we had three come, over, come through in a row and one of them, it was only a category two. So I decided just to stay at um, the house by myself I was like, yeah, it's just a two. And the weather, people were going nuts, but then there's little kids walking in the background, so I figured it was fine. Um, but I remember it coming through, and the wall was literally coming through right where I was, and the winds were crazy, all that kind of stuff. Then all of a sudden, if you've ever gone through uh, a hurricane, you've been in the eye, the eye is calm, it's peaceful. And I remember the eye came through, and all of a sudden, it got really peaceful, and I took my dog out to go to the bathroom, and I think the dog was kind of freaked out because it could sense what was going on. And I'm just sitting there. It was kind of eerie because there's no clouds. There was nothing. It was absolute calm. I knew we were in the middle of the eye. I knew that craziness was going to come back, but you felt like absolute calm. Here's what God offers us. He says this. He goes, the world is crazy. It's kind of like God's like saying, if you stay with me, it's kind of like being in the eye of the hurricane. The world around you is going to be nuts. It will always be. It will be crazy. It will be stressed. It will be going a thousand miles an hour. But if you sit with me, you can be in the middle of the world, but experience peace. You can experience that comfort. The world around you can be destroyed, but you can sit with God in that moment. See, here's the thing, though. In order to stay in this place, it takes, it takes something on our part. And I really think this is one of the biggest reasons we don't stay in that place with God is it takes us repenting. I don't know what it is about being a Christian a long time. I don't know why, but repenting doesn't always get easier. It's for some reason when you feel like you've been a Christian a long time, you, you, you do something wrong and you go, well, I should have known better. And so you don't repent. You choose to sit in the middle of the hurricane. I, I, I deserve this. this is what I should go through. We choose to kind of separate ourselves from God. Here's what's crazy. When we refuse to repent from God, we're basically saying this, I don't want peace right now in my life. 
I don't want joy. I don't want purpose. We're deciding, I want to be in the hurricane instead of being the peace with God. In order to stay with that, we've got to repent on a regular basis. And I really believe this, the sign of a mature Christian is the distance between when they do something wrong and when they say, when they repent from it. It really is. A really mature Christian does something wrong and immediately goes, that was not wrong. That was not right. I should repent from that. Someone who is not a mature Christian does something wrong, allows it to go out, allows that guilt to fester, allows all those problems to fester, then finally goes back to it. God's going, why are you allowing that to happen? Just repent and enjoy the comfort that I have. Enjoy the peace that I have. And and let me... Let me just say this. God gives us to this all the time, but one of his biggest places for rest, and this is something that you, you may have heard this word before, and it sounds old, and you're like, why are we talking about this? But it's, it's the word Sabbath. Um, it's the idea of having a Sabbath. I mean, here's what's crazy to me. The idea of a Sabbath, if you don't know, it was, it was back in Jewish days. Um, it was the idea you, they had to take Saturday off. They had to take it off, and it was, this, it was something that they had to do. Literally, it was in the Ten Commandments. This is what's crazy to me, is there's like, you, don't, you shouldn't murder, and you need to take a day off is in the same ten. Like, I'm like, that's on the same level to God. No murdering, and you better take a day off. And what they would do is, you had to take this day off. God says, you don't need to worship idols, but you need to take a day off. Why? Because God knows you need to have a day off. Now, a Sabbath is not a lazy day. When, when people hear this all the time, they think, oh, the pastor's telling me I need to sit on my couch all day. Not at all. That's not what a Sabbath is. If you want to know what a true Sabbath is, it's you have a time of worship, you have a time with God, you have a time with friends and family, and you have a time of solitude. You have a time of solitude. So you spend some time with God, you spend some time with others, you eat well is actually a part of what you're supposed to do, which is always great. And then you spend some time in solitude with just you and God. And, And what God says is this, is if you Sabbath right, if you Sabbath right, by the end of it, you're excited for what's next. You're refueled for what's going to happen. You're in one of those moods where you're like, I'm gonna take on Monday. I've only been there a couple times, but I know it does it. It's there. And, and, and let me just say this. You can easily tell if you're doing this the wrong way because if you go into Monday going, my goodness, it's Monday, then you've probably Sabbath wrong. Or whatever day it is that you need to do. And you're going, how? I just can't take this time off. Here's what God says. God says, if you choose not to do this, sooner or later you're going to have to. God's like, I created you this way. I showed you. I took a day off. God didn't need to take a day off. God's Almighty, he he goes, I took a day off just to show you how important this is. And this is what was crazy to me, is this was something Jewish people absolutely looked forward to. It was something that they wanted to do. Imagine what it would be like in this world if the government said, you must take a day off. In fact, on that day, you're not allowed to work at all. You're not allowed to check your phone. You have to take a day off. You have to eat good food and you have to rest. If you don't, you're going to jail. How great would that be? We'd be like, oh, this is awesome. That's what they had. They literally, it was by law, they had to take the day off. Now, we don't, we're not under that same law because Jesus came. But God says, this is so important to the life. And let me just say this. This isn't something you can just easily do. I, and here's, here's, let me say this. The people that decide just to start the Sabbath, um, just do it all the way. Many times, it's like starting off working out and going, I'm going to work out seven days a week. And some of you have already decided to do that and stopped. I have twice this year. Um, and so it's that idea. Some of us, we have to start slow. We have to say, okay, this, this period here, I'm going to take off. This period here, I'm going to do this. And we work up to it. And let me just say, one of the most important parts in the Sabbath day is something that we should do every day, and that's called solitude. And guys, it is something that is not easy. Absolute solitude is turning everything off, everything off, and spending time with God. And for some of you, 
you may need to start out with like three minutes. Just quiet, silence, time reading God's word, time praying, nothing else. And here's why solitude is important. Look throughout the Bible. When does God speak? It's never in the craziness. It's never in the craziness. It's always in the quiet. He spoke to Elijah through a wind, through a whisper. He spoke to he spoke to Moses while he was alone out in the desert. God comes in the solitude. Guys, if you want to stay connected with God, if you want to make sure that you don't end up in the point where you're being forced to rest, it's choosing every day to spend that moment with him. Because this isn't easy to do. Sometimes you need to start timing it just to be able to do it. But it's something we have to do. Is if you were not willing to shut down everything to spend time alone with our Savior who has all the answers, then we're not, we don't really want to know what he has to say. And I really believe this, most of us really don't want to know what he has to say. Because if we did, we'd spend that time. Guys, rest is so important. And the older you get, the crazier your life gets, the more that you're going to need it. The more, And God says this, he goes, in that time of rest is that time where we speak. In that time of rest is that time where I feel, make, allow you to feel that peace, that love, that care. So take that time and rest in me. In Revelation 14, 13, it says this. It says, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this down. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they are blessed indeed, for they will rest from their hard work, for their good deeds follow them. I love how it says rest. And in the same way, it says rest in the Bible, because here's the idea. When we take rest and we rest in Christ, when we rest in God, it's an idea of feeling what heaven would be like here on earth. God says, I want to give you some of that now. I want you to understand that and feel that now. So the challenge is, I don't know where each of you are at, but starting to look towards that rest, starting to take that time daily, starting to find that time weekly to get away and spend that time with God. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you that you love us this much. Um, God, I pray that we would be purposeful in our rest. God, I pray that um, we would spend that time now so we're not forced to take it later. God, I pray that you would speak to us. God, I pray that when we spend that time in solitude, when we spend that time in the quiet, God, I pray that we would feel your peace, that we would feel your love, that we would feel your comfort. God, I pray that we'd spend that time in rest so that we know that our next steps are purposeful the steps you want us to take. God, I thank you for that. And I, God, I just thank you that you're a God that wants us to rest. You've already taken care of the world. We can just leave it in your hands. God, I thank you that you haven't left it up to us at all. God, I thank you, that, though, that you use us in the steps that you want to take. God, we thank you for that tonight. And in Jesus' name I pray.